This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. There may be a concern by many of you listening that keeping the peace at the Thanksgiving dinner table may be a bit harder this year. So what we thought we would do is take the time to think about the ways that you may not have to have that proverbial Pier 6 brawl on your hands at the at Thanksgiving dinner. We are joined by Dr. Mary Kelleher, who is a uh, licensed family therapist who is based in Seattle. She joins us on the phone, as does Dr. Ellen Berman, who's a clinical professor of psychiatry here at the University of Pennsylvania, and she's also founder for the Center for Couples and Adult Families. Welcome, Mary. Welcome, Ellen. Great to have you on the show. Happy Thanksgiving to you both. And happy Thanksgiving to you. Good to be here, Dan. Thank you. And hopefully it will be a happy Thanksgiving for millions of people across the country. But as I said, with what we've gone through over the last few months, and Mary, I'll start with you, I have a sense that maybe this year, more than ones we have seen in years past, we may have a few kind of very boisterous discussions around Thanksgiving. Well, I think that that you're absolutely right. In fact, I think that might be underestimating it. And this is why I think that. Um, it, we all know that family gatherings can be difficult for a variety of reasons. But what's extra in the mix this year is people are scared. No matter what side of the political aisle they are on, they either are or have been scared. And that makes them far more volatile and more defensive about how they feel Mm. politically. And they'll often play it out within their families where there are underlying issues between people. So this is a challenging year for everybody out there. Ellen, anything you'd like to add to that? Well, I think a little history lesson is really interesting here, which is we all have a picture in our head of the first Thanksgiving, which was, of course, two groups of people who barely spoke each other's language, the pilgrims and the, uh, and the First Nations peoples, and we know how that worked out, which is after that first Thanksgiving, things didn't go too well. But what's really interesting is that Abraham Lincoln declared the first national official Thanksgiving Day in the middle of the Civil War as a way of hoping to get families together and keep some sort of normalcy in the middle of this horrible war. So I think it's helpful to remember that this is a holiday that started in the middle of terrific political turmoil where everybody was terrified. So we don't have, um, you know, this isn't the first time this has happened, but it doesn't make it any easier. Um, And Lincoln specifically said he was doing this in the cause of peace. And so I think the question becomes, how do we create peace in the midst of the place that Mary said that absolutely everybody's terrified? And um, how do we make the family a safe place? Well, and and Mary kind of alluded to it, Ellen, but to play off of that is the fact that when you go to family functions like this, especially if you've got, you know, cousins that maybe you only see or uncles maybe you only see once a year or twice a year, invariably there is that person that you just you just don't kind of see eye to eye with to begin with. And, and, And then you throw this on top of it and it just kind of multiplies the problem. 
Well, you know, I think it's really helpful to say who is at the Thanksgiving table. Is it just family? Are there buffers in terms of friends, guests, people who you've been invited? Are there people from other countries? Are there people who generally agree with each other or don't agree with each other? Because each of those, you know, has a very different kind of experience. And the ones that, you know, what you're talking about when you say, well, what is the purpose of a ritual like this at this point? It's really about reaffirming, hopefully, that there are family who are bound by ties of loyalty, even if you don't like them very much. And I think how you handle it depends on who's at the table and what the family rituals are. Um, and that there are really different situations that are important to separate out. Mary, I would think that in in just in normal situations, the person that may be hosting the, the, the Thanksgiving dinner wouldn't, you know, normally think about, you know, kind of setting ground rules. But I get the sense that we could even see that this year is that, you know, some households will say, look, come in and enjoy and have a great time, but no political conversation whatsoever. You know, I have been working with a variety of families and and struggling with this within my own family. And I think planning ahead on it is is something that's really important right now. And ground rules, especially if you have a family that works well with ground rules, can be a wonderful thing. In my own family, my mother set a ground rule generations ago that said no political conversations at all in family gatherings. And this year, I'm really glad she has that rule. It's not a bad rule right now. Um, especially if there are people who tend not to be sensitive to other people's feelings, um, to be able to just say straight out ahead of time, well ahead of the family gathering, whether it's Thanksgiving tomorrow or any of the other holiday gatherings, to say, let's just keep this a politics-free zone is not a bad idea. I think that's a good first step. I actually had uh, Alan, one of the people in our office, uh, come up to me this morning when I told her we were going to talk about this, and she said she actually read an article that said that we may actually see an increase in people just staying home this year because people don't want to deal with it this year. And part of that, I think, is because, as I mentioned earlier before we did this, is that seemingly we've had the election, yet we still have so many people that are talking about it, you know, in the in the wake of it, and the fact that, that Donald Trump is going to be the next president. And it, it, it's in years past, we've had elections, and it's just kind of stopped the conversation. It's not stopping this year. Well, that's because a lot of people, as Mary said, are genuinely terrified. I mean, this really was a referendum about what the country wants. Right. And the value differences, particularly among, you know, depending on where, where you lie and how much you fought for it politically, are very painful. But generally, I think, people who, the, the family goal is to have a place where you're safe. You know, uh, home is the place where when, they go, when you go there, they have to take you in. 
But obviously, it's also a place where there's rivalry, where there's competition. And another really important point, I think, is that when people go home and they haven't seen each other for a long time, they regress. Yeah. Everybody does. This is normal. So the CEO who is the younger brother suddenly becomes the younger brother, even though in the outside world he's, he's the CEO. Or maybe he comes home very wealthy and everybody else is jealous of him because now the older brother has been supplanted by this very successful guy. So I think the thing is if the family can create safety, people stay home. People go go to visit home. And if they are scared, if they're depressed, if they feel that their life's work has just been wiped out and they don't feel that the people around them can hold them, then they may well stay home. Um, I think ground... uh, The other thing I think that's important is what do you mean by Thanksgiving? For some people, you're home for four days, and for some people, you're home for a meal. Right. Um, There's a really strong... Um, message, which I think Mary does a lot of, too, about you don't bring home atom bombs at the dinner table. You don't right. announce that you've been fired or you're gay or you're, you know, uh, moving to another country and adopting a religion different from the family at the Thanksgiving table, because that's supposed to be a place for gratefulness. But if you really want to talk to someone and you're there for another day and you really want to listen that would be a time to have a conversation if you really want it or to say no if yeah. you really don't want it. Well, and I think that's kind of been the the basis of, of Thanksgiving anyway, uh, Ellen, is, is the fact that the idea is, is to come together and, and share in each other's company and to have fun conversations, you know, whether you're, you're sitting down and you're watching the Thanksgiving football games or if you're going out in the backyard and having the touch football game or, you know, whatever it is, the idea is to have a conversation. And, and I think that, uh, unfortunately, that may get lost in the weeds a little bit this year. Um, absolutely it may. And, you know, again, it sort of depends on what the traditions are in your family. If everybody screams at each other and then everybody goes, then it calms down, fine. If there are a lot of grudges that are held and people don't feel supported, it can get very messy. Mary? You know, I I have thought that it is helpful if you can reach out to someone within the family, especially someone who is on the opposite side of the political aisle from you, and say, how can we keep the family functioning, especially not over a long weekend, but just with the family dinner? How can we keep the family functioning? What can we do if someone begins to talk too much or or be too contentious, you know, is there something we can do to distract? Is there something someone who is not a political enemy of that person could say maybe to diffuse things so that person doesn't feel backed into a corner? Um, How can we get together just maybe one or two more people and work collaboratively to to make this easier on everyone. So this is really what you're talking about is advanced planning, pointing to the rule that says 
we're only going to talk about the things we're grateful for. And I would add another one, which is keep the alcohol level really, really low. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I I cannot tell you how many people I've seen who are dreading going home because somebody drinks too much and stops paying attention to what's going on. So control the alcohol very tightly. (laughs) Well, I, I'd be interested in that. I mean, it, Mary, I think you mentioned that about the, the rules that your your mom had or your grandmother had yeah, in terms of uh, no politics uh, at the at the house. Anyway, uh, what were some of the other things that, that that she did to to kind of ensure that the Thanksgiving dinner table was was a peaceful, happy place? Well, I came from from an Irish Catholic family, and and. Um, and she was the matriarch, and she would have the look. So yes, yes. She, she was. She was always in control, and and that's often the case in families. There'll be one central member of the family who basically calls the shots, and you don't cross them. You do not cross them, and if that person has said. Hey, we're not going to talk about this, or we're not going to do this kind of thing. Really, it's not going to happen. Now, not all families are like that. But if you have a family like that, um, and you have that central member who wants to make sure that the peace is kept, then it, it tends to be a little bit easier. There's another thing that I've seen. Uh, I come from a family where actually everybody and all of our friends had the same political views. So right. there were not fights at the dinner table about political views. But there was a point at which some people wanted to keep talking about it and other people couldn't stand talking about it anymore. Right. <laughs> and, you know, again, I think it's a matter of can, if your goal is to create safety and thankfulness, can you agree that if somebody's getting upset and they say, I can't handle this anymore, we need to change the subject, that people are willing to do that and take the conversation outside after dinner. Well, one of the interesting things I think to, to discuss, and it's not necessarily around the, the Thanksgiving dinner table, but obviously as you're, you know, you're waiting for the, the meal to be served, and it's a change that we've seen obviously in the last few years, is that because we have smartphones in our lives, more people are less connected to having that conversation with people in general and it's kind of taken away something from the Thanksgiving uh, from the Thanksgiving experience. Ellen? Well, that's a really good rule, which is no phones at the dinner at the Thanksgiving dinner table. If you need to, you know, because I think that's another thing that's taken away from families and if you only see each other once in a while, you shouldn't be texting at the dinner table. However, right. I do want to say that for that the other thing that I suggest is that if it's too much for people, they can take a break. They can sure. go outside for 10 minutes. You know, if the family's together all day, they can say, oh, we need some more milk and go run to the local store. Um, that if there, if there are fights between parents and children that tend to break out, that the kids consider staying in a hotel instead of staying with their parents. You need to have a place where if you get emotionally flooded, it's okay to take some kind of break. Right. And I think that's I, really important. Mary? I was going to say, I think that that is a wonderful idea and, and part of the advanced planning we all should be doing, that on an individual basis, 
we should know that when we walk into a family gathering, there's always a potential for something to go wrong, and we should have a mental list of things we can do to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. so that we don't add into what might happen or so that we can prevent things from happening. Um, absolutely. And, you know, I see, because my center is in the Department of Psychiatry, um, in addition to my practice, I also see a number of people who are really struggling with issues such as depression or anxiety or schizophrenia who want to be at these holiday gatherings but who can get easily rocked. And so putting some thought into what do those people need, is there someone paying attention to them, you know, how can they, and also little children. I mean, we haven't talked about what happens if people get into a huge fight at the dinner table and there's a seven-year-old watching. So I think really looking at the composition of who's going to be there, what do they need, you know, if there's someone from a very disenfranchised place, are we being careful of their feelings as well? Um, You know, I think all of that is really important. In the old days, when this was a rural country, you had Thanksgiving with your family who you saw every day and your neighbors at the next farm who you saw every day. But this is much more fraught with people coming in to affirm the nature of family who may not have talked to each other for six or eight months. Well, and as you brought up, Ellen, it's also, it's interesting because, uh, you know, you're trying to have everybody kind of be be happy and, and joyful, and it's a time of the year where, you know, we keep it, you know, we keep hearing it said that, you know, that's kind of the, the line that is brought forth by the marketers, but when you think about it, these six weeks are about as tense as any time of the year on a variety of different reasons, let alone the, 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 the family functions, but the holiday parties, end of year, if your, if your company you know, ends its fiscal year on December 31st, uh, you, you know, having the kids home from school, I, I mean, it's just the, the amount of, of, of angst that people deal with at this time of the year, it, it really does just multiply. Well, I think, you know, again, we we keep saying this over and over, and people hate listening to it, which is simplify. You know, this country goes so much more crazy over all these holidays than most other countries. We've been in Europe and South America, and the, you know, nobody goes completely nuts over presents. And right. there aren't, you know, eight-foot-tall Santas singing, you know, Christmas carols in everybody's lawn. We, the whole consumerist pressure, I think, has made it really difficult for us to say, we're not going to worry about the presents, we're going to enjoy the family. If my parents are divorced and I have Thanksgiving Thursday and a second Thanksgiving Friday, it's not going to kill anybody. Right. You know, that the more you can really hold on to what can I do to simplify things instead of what can I do to make this as elaborate and amazing as possible the easier it becomes. Well, I personally like the the two Thanksgivings uh, idea because of the fact that you get to have Thanksgiving dinner twice. And I, I can't <laughs> imagine anybody that doesn't like having two Thanksgiving dinners, right? I know somebody. I know somebody who's having two Thanksgiving dinners on the same day. They may not oh. be eat, able to eat for the next forty-eight hours. Well, <laughs> it, well, and it, that happens a lot with the desserts. Uh, 
844 Wharton is the number if you'd like to join in and give us your comments about trying to keep the peace around the Thanksgiving dinner table this year. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. We're joined by Dr. Mary Kelleher, who's a licensed family therapist, and also Dr. Ellen Berman, uh, professor of psychiatry here at the University of Pennsylvania. 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan. Loney 21. Uh, the, the, just the fact that, as I mentioned before, Mary, you do you do have to go into the Thanksgiving kind of party event realizing that uh, there is going to be probably one person, maybe two people that you just don't see eye to eye. And it may be as simple as, you know, saying hi to them at the beginning of the uh, of the event and if it's busy enough, you know, you're talking to other people and you don't get around to them. You, you, people can manage this. And I guess manage might be the appropriate word to use here. Uh, manage it to their advantage. It, definitely. There are a variety of ways of managing it. And there's also, um, there's also the ability to access empathy and compassion. And I think I was picking that up a lot uh, under what Ellen was saying, too, if you have a sense of um, that this might not be a person you get along with well or that they might say things that bother you, but for that short period of time, you can make choices about how you're going to interact with them, and you're going to bring your best self forward yeah and maybe even lean into the conversation a little bit and with real curiosity ask them about some of the things that they're saying that might bother you sometimes it can not only flip what's going on at that moment but it can act as a basis for shifting an entire relationship and so there's there are a lot of opportunities here but the important thing is to think ahead before these times and think about how you want to be, how you want this gathering to be like, and, you know, what you'd like to see come out of it. Another useful tip in my house, actually, was sometimes you have an older person who gets into a political rant or a particular story. And one of the things that worked really well for us was starting to push some of the people who were older than we were to tell stories about their growing up and what they were thankful for and what their lives were like. Um, Because it's really fascinating and it helps you be grateful, I think, to really begin to talk about people's histories and what they know that you don't know about them. And also just to really focus on gratefulness. If they could focus on that in the middle of the Civil War, we should be able to figure out a way to do that, too. So I really echo Mary's comment about empathy, kindness, right. trying to find ways of connecting. Let's go to Mario in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. Mario, welcome and happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you both. Thank you. Go ahead, sir. So I'm just making a comment based on what you both just said about making the holidays so simple and uh, trying to keep it easy and family-oriented. I'm all about that. And it's not that my wife isn't, but she tries to live up to the expectations of the economy and certain family situations, which 
I just don't do anymore. I mean, we, we do it together, but if she says to me, we need to do this, I say, no, we don't. And so there's a little bit of a conflict, but um, we, I guess we meet each other uh, halfway. I, I don't do some things. I do some things. She doesn't do a whole lot. She does some things. So, but it, it's just an interesting dynamic that I wanted to point out. Mario, thanks, th for, take, thanks th for taking my call, and the great show as usual. Thank you, Mario. Greatly appreciate it. And actually, Ma Mary and Ellen, one thing quickly, and we've got about 45 seconds. Uh, Mary, I'll throw this to you. And, and Mario calling us, you know, driving. The, the, the travel on Thanksgiving is, a, is another aggravation that you have to deal with right now. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think a whole lot of getting through Thanksgiving, getting through the holidays in, in any form, is is having a really good sense of, of what it can be doing to you and how to take care of yourself, how to do it in as thoughtful and skillful and healthy a way as you can. Ellen, quickly, you've got about 30 the seconds. There's a reason why we're visiting our kids in California starting January 4th. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Exactly right. We'll leave it on that note. Ellen, Mary, thank you very much for giving us your input today. We wish you all the best. And, and again, have a happy Thanksgiving. And a happy holidays to you, all of them. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.